eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Project Egg Show. I'm your host, Ben Gothard, and today we have the honor of speaking with Susie Carter. How are you doing today, Susie? I'm doing awesome. So excited to be here. So excited to contribute. You guys are awesome. Thank you for doing what you do in the world. Thank you for making such a profound difference. I feel blessed that I'm here and blessed that we can chat today. Well, the feeling is mutual, and I cannot wait to ask you, what is your story? Oh, let's see. Which part of the story do you want to know? <laughs> the whole thing from the very beginning. <laughs> so the whole thing from the very beginning. Let me tell you where I am, and then I'll tell you where I've been, because that'll give context of you know what, what's happening. So I am a serial entrepreneur. Call me crazy. <laughs> but I love building businesses and selling businesses. That's my passion. You know, I travel all over the world and help entrepreneurs build their business and build it to sell, right? Because we're the goal of a business is a business is supposed to provide us a lifestyle that a job cannot. So my goal is to do it for myself, but also help others. And I started doing it for others because I realized that everybody wasn't doing it. I'm like, you know, they're making this way too hard. And I had to figure it out on my own. I'm a little more seasoned than you then, let me just say that. And so I have, you know, about 20 years in this industry. And when I first started, my background was I was a hairdresser. And as a hairdresser, there was, nobody was teaching the business side of being a hairdresser. And I was a single mom with two kids and had to make money. <laughs> so I had to figure out this money thing quickly. And once I started, you know, it was back in the day when you go to a bookstore because we didn't have internet. So we'd go to the bookstore, I'd get a marketing book, I'd get a finance book, like how do I get clients, you know referral programs, just bootstrapped it of building this business and building a hairdresser. So as a hairdresser, I made a quarter of a million dollars three days a week. Now that may not sound like a big deal to some people, but most hairdressers back in the day were making $30,000 a year. So to be able to do that and in three days a week was phenomenal. And then, you know, I realized that most people weren't making any money. And I'm like, I need to help my brothers and my sisters. Like I need to show them this is what you do because in school you get licensed and that's what school's about. It's all about passing your license. And as most vocations are, 15% of our financial success is based on our technical ability. The other 85% is everything else we do, the sales, the marketing, operations, and the finance. But most vocational schools and most schools don't teach that. They give you the academia, but they don't give you the tools. And so because I had put all these tools together in this niche, I'm like, let me help, let me help. And I truly did it from, I need to help. Right. I, I didn't understand how to make money at that. I was just giving back to my community because I feel like that that's our responsibility. Our responsibility is to give back. And when you give back, there's a lot of reciprocity. It comes back. So I started this whole thing speaking to, and I started in, in schools and went to schools and said, once you get out of school, this is what you need to do. And then started working with professionals. And professionals are like, I want to learn how you do that. Do you have a book? I'm like, book? I don't have a book. Now I don't have a book. They're like, we would buy a book if you had a book. I'm like, okay, well, I don't know how to write a book. So then I had to go write a book because they all asked for a book. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And then I finally wrote the book and they're like, oh my God, I love the book. Hate to read. Do you have it on audio? <laughs> like, audio? I just wrote the book. No, I don't have it on audio, please. And then I created an audio because they wanted more than just the book. And so this was this journey 
of how I created a training and development company in the beauty industry. And we grew it to the largest training and development company. And we were just teaching business. We didn't teach any technical, just how do you run a business? And so inside that, we owned one of the top salons and spas in the country. We we're the top 1% of the nation, top 10% of the world. And we earned that by the productivity that we did. I just taught everyone to do what I did as a technician. Because I don't know if you know anything about that industry, but we, I can say this, because I'm one of them, we are crazy. <laughs> we're crazy fun, but we're crazy. We are hard to manage. <laughs> so I, and I think that's just employees in general. I want to figure out how to work with less, you know, and do more versus have a bunch of employees. <laughs> Along the way, this is how naive I was back in the day, but I didn't have this like full on strategy, right? Again, it was, I wanted to contribute. So whatever I was doing in the salon, I would show them at my events. And they're like, oh, can we buy that? I'm like, you want to buy my systems? Well, how much will you pay for that? They're like, I don't know, a thousand bucks. I'm like, okay, it's yours. <laughs> so I would sell it. I would come home with $20,000, $30,000 go, I sold this and now we have to ship it. But I gave us 12 weeks to say, it takes 12 weeks to, you know, produce it. So I had some savvy there. Just <laughs> my partner at the time would wanted to kill me, right? Like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm making money. It's just coming. Money's coming. <laughs> So I'm really good at making money. So 10 books later, you know, a, a best-selling author built a multi-million dollar business and sold it to Richter's Publishing and sold it for a multi-million dollar deal. And then when we sold it, we had a non-compete, so I couldn't go back in that industry. And I was dabbling into entrepreneurship, but y'all scared me, right? Because people would say, oh, can you coach me? I'm like, I know nothing about graphic design businesses. I know nothing about hardware businesses. I know nothing about jewelry, but no, I can't coach you. And they're like, we don't care. We love you. And I always say, Ben, when God's knocking, you need to listen, right? Because people kept saying, I want to hire you. I want to hire you. And I was just scared, right? Most entrepreneurs, we get that fear, that scared. So I'm a business person. So I'm like, well, I'm going to double my fee. If they pay, if I double my fee and they pay me, I'll take them on. Oh, they didn't even buy an eyelash. They're like, yes, we'll pay that. I'm like, holy crap, now what do I do? They said, yes. <laughs> so that's how I launched into entrepreneurship. <laughs> so um, I've worked you know, all over the world and worked with companies all over the world in all kinds of industries. So you know, the craziest one was I had this man that owned a hardware store. So think about a um, Home Depot. Do you have Home Depots where you are, right? Mm -hmm. In the middle of Home Depot, they had a jewelry store. And not like a tchotchke jewelry store. I'm talking, you know, beautiful Rolex watches, you know, two to five carat diamond rings, tennis bracelets, high quality diamonds in the middle of this hardware store. And so when he met me, he's like, I really think we need to uncollapse these stores. I'm like, how does that even happen? He's like, oh, well, mom didn't want to sell ha uh, hammers. She wanted to sell jewelry. So we let her have a corner of the store. Well, when we started looking at the numbers, the jewelry store was doing about 3 million and the hardware store was doing a million. I'm like, we are not removing the jewelry store. The jewelry store is staying because men would come in. They wouldn't want to go to a fancy jewelry store. They wanted to come in and talk to Barb because Barb was like, you know, Barb was Jim's wife. And so she's going to take care of them. And so they have this whole mom and pop thing. So they're like, oh, Barb. I need, a, I need a diamond ring. I'll be right back. I'm going to go get my hammer and then I'll be right back. And then she'd sell them, you know, a $20,000, $50,000, you know, ring. <laughs> so, so, I'm like, mom had it going on and didn't even know she had it going on. <laughs> so I've been in all kinds of crazy businesses, which is awesome. 
And so now my clients have deemed me, they call me the profit coach because I'm the money. I just see money everywhere. Like when I talk to clients and look at what money are we leaving on the table? How are we leaving on the table? You know, how do we leverage what we're doing? How do you get paid for your worth and your value? And how do we leverage that? So that's my passion now is really teaching people that this is fun. And foremost, it's wealth is our birthright, right? It's your birthright. It's my birthright. It isn't deemed for some of us. It's deemed for all of us. I come from a, a very poor childhood and I don't mean poor like, I, I was so happy. I didn't know we were poor. No, no, no. We knew we were poor. <laughs> you know, like sharing underwear kind of poor. <laughs> there's nine brothers and sisters, right? So there's Bobby, Ronnie, Stevie, Terry, Joni, Shelley, Susie, Kelly, Debbie. So nine of us in 1,200 square feet, 1,200 square feet, two bedrooms, one bathroom, six girls was one bathroom. This is a skill. Like I go back to that house today and I'm like, where, where did we eat? How did we all, where did we all sleep? Like my sister. <laughs> so, you know, like we have pantries, right? So you have a pantry in your home. My sister literally got a closet. My dad rehabbed this closet into a bedroom and we were all fighting over the closet. Like, why does she get a closet? What? <laughs> it's a closet. Like I think about it now and I'm like, it was so little, like a, a little twin bed could fit in it because it was a pantry, but that's about it, right? To <laughs> go wow that is awesome so very humble beginnings i should not be where i'm at i should not have made millions i don't have a formal education i do have a phd though so that's kind of formal it's my public high school diploma (laughs) so really creating my business from tenacity educate i do have education i have a ton of education just not a formal education i'm not knocking formal education you know my daughter has a degree from harvard and morton you know so I paid for that. So I, I said, that's my, <laughs> I paid for those diplomas. So they count somewhere. I don't know. But I, I'm an advocate of education. The more you learn, the more you earn. Right. And so I have a ton of education. If I got sued in business, I went to a business law class. Right. If I needed to understand business finance, I took an entrepreneurial finance class. So I'm a total advocate of education. It's just how, what's your learning style. Right. And as an entrepreneur, usually we need to learn it today and implement it tomorrow. Right. <laughs> so now it's like, ah, I need to figure out how to do YouTube videos. Let me watch a class and sign up for a class. Let me do that. And then let me implement it. So you've got to take these complicated things called business strategy and how do I simplify them so an entrepreneur can put them in their business tomorrow? You know, because we've, we've got a lot on the line, right? We've all invested money, time, debt, drained our savings, 401k, doctor houses, whatever we did to launch a business. And now we have to monetize it. So. That's a, you know, a nutshell of my story. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious about the idea of, um, of you being the profit coach because I feel like there are a lot of layers there yes. that it's really, really important to go into. For example, in order to profit in business, you have to have something to sell. And in order to have something to sell, you have to, there has to be something of value. And I'm curious, where do you advise people to start looking for that value that they can then turn into a product or service that they can then sell to make the money? Perfect. I'll give you a couple examples. 
And I'll use my own example first, right? I didn't know. Like I knew I had intellectual property. I didn't know how to price that or leverage that. And then from my intellectual property, showing my clients, my client showed me where there was a demand, right? So it's find the need, fill the need. So I would go on the road, find the need, and then I would come home and fill the need. So that's why we have, you know, nine different books, you know, and they, there are many different forms. We've got online programs, CD programs. Look, I'm aging myself. We had CDs, right? We had, I'm, I'm so old, y'all. We had cassettes. <laughs> not real to real, though. I'm not that old. I just want to say that out loud. <laughs> when I look at what's that thing that I do and what's that thing that brings me joy and how do we monetize it? Because I think some people chase the money and money doesn't bring you joy. Money doesn't bring you peace. It gives you some freedom, but if you don't love it, because as an entrepreneur, we're working a lot until you, you know, start building up the momentum. Charles Gibbons wrote a book called Wealth Without Risk. And he said, when you start any project, you have to put 10 units of energy in to get one unit of result. Once you get the momentum going, you put one unit of energy in to get 10 units of results. So then I want to look at, okay, great. Well, how do I find that thing that I love so that I can start monetizing that? So I want you to look inside of what are you great at? Right before this call, I was talking to a client. She's coming to an event and she's a dentist and she's getting ready to sell her practice, but she's, she's still young. She's still like, she's not gonna go garden, right? She's like, I'm not the type of person to go around the world. It's not really what I wanna do next. I'm like, dude, you have a multi-million dollar company that you're selling for millions. Let's sell that. She goes, what are you talking about? I'm like, everything you did to build that business, let's put it all in a system and set it up as if it's a franchise and sell those systems. Like we're just selling your intellectual property because you can go into a practice and immediately see what needs to be changed. Oh my gosh, she was crying. It was a 12 minute conversation, crying, seeing her future, seeing what's possible, saying, oh my gosh, I wanna take six months off and then we'll work on this project. Perfect, I honor that, take six months off and then let's work on this project. So well, there's so much, there's so much money around us you just have to, one, either have someone to be able to see it with you, because sometimes we can't acknowledge our gifts. Like, I didn't call myself the profit coach. My clients did, because we were having a strategy meeting, you know, just kind of a, a marketing meeting on what do we want to niche it? What do we want to say? And my clients are like, Susie, you are the profit whisperer. You find money everywhere. You show me money, and then I make money. It's not like, I'm having to do this hard thing. You're just seeing the money that's already there that I'm just not capitalizing on. I'm like, I am, you know? And they're like, you're the prophet with the pH. I'm like, okay, that's a little much, but okay. Thank you. I appreciate the acknowledgement. <laughs> <laughs> and I've always had that gift of to be able to see where money comes from. I've been a, an entrepreneur from an earlier, like literally 12 years old, washing you know, people's homes and windows and doing yard work and picking up dog poop and like whatever I had to do. There was nine of us. My dad was like, there's no allowance. Go work. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go work. Right now, some jobs I kept longer than others. <laughs> you figure out which ones I quit really quickly. But the reality is someone will always pay for something, right? Because people have more money than time or more time than money. So when you figure out where, what's that combination and what's that gift that only you have. When I first started, I was an amazing hairdresser and I was a color specialist. So I coined myself a color specialist because I wanted all my clients chemically dependent on me. <laughs> and then that, that became my niche of really leveraging that. 
And then looking again, when I was ready to reinvent myself, because I got bored, you know, we all get to that place where you're bored. I'm like, well, it's not just about money. What else can I do? I truly believe that there's an assignment on each of us. And you said it before we even started talking, you said it sounds kind of altruistic that you want to change the world. Well, I believe it's our responsibility and it's my responsibility to listen to my assignment and do the work that I'm put here to do. And then to continue to do that, I have to make money or I can't do the work that I'm put here to do. So sometimes people go, oh, Susie, you're just all about money. No, I'm not. Like if I was all about money, I would do a lot of other things, you know, to make a buck, but I don't want to just make a buck. It has to be fulfilling to me, right? It has to make a difference in the world. It has to be fun because I'm doing this a lot of my day, right? And I have to love the people I do it with because I'm with you more than I'm with my family, right? So to go, ah, it has to bring me joy. And so putting that together with your skill sets and your talents, I think the biggest challenge entrepreneurs have is how do I price that? And we figure it out by we, you know, pull it out of our hiney and go, I'm going to charge this. Ben charges this, Susie charges this, I'm going to charge this, which is not a strategy, right? So we go years of not charging enough and getting burnt out and then go find a job, right? So, sorry, would you like to say something now? <laughs> I just get excited, Ben. You get me on a roll and I get excited. Well, excitement and going on rolls is super highly encouraged here on the show. So <laughs> please, please keep going on them. Uh, I'm curious about this idea of we all have our own, um, like like we're all we all have our own specific mission, like our own calling. That one thing that really combines the things we're good at, the things we love, the things people will pay us for. And in my experiences, you know, and and I'm 24, and I've talked I talk to a lot of people my age. One of the biggest things is people are just confused. They don't know what that thing is. They desperately want to find it. They want to figure it out, but they don't know what it is, right? And I think back to somebody like Ben Franklin, who did so many, so many, so many things. But at the end of the day, when he thought of himself, he, th he thought of himself, according to what I've read, as a printer first. He was in the printing business right. first. So that core identity of I am this, I do this, I'm really good at this. That's what I feel like so many people are missing. And so I'm curious to learn like what your philosophy is on digging down into the core of our souls and the core of who we are and figuring out what that thing is. Well, that's a great question. And I have a lot of clients facing that, you know, and sometimes your life's work is isn't your job. My life work happened to be, happens to be my job. And it's happened to be my job throughout my career, right? I just, my life's work is to make a difference. My life's work is to contribute to other people. My life's work is to help people live inside of their highest greatness. That's my life's work. And every thing, every project, every job, every business that I've had, that has included it, right? And so you need to look at what's that thing that I'm most passionate about. The challenge is with social media, television, you know, commentary is we start to get distracted by all the sparkle and we start to, to get distracted by all the material. The material isn't your life calling. The material is the thing and the reward that your hard work allows you to have. So I want to strip that away and go, it's not about things. Like, let's remove the thing. The house isn't going to make you happy. 
The beautiful cars aren't going to make you happy. They bring you joy, but they don't give you that true happiness and fulfillment. Because once you have it, you're looking for the next. Well, what's the next? What's the next? What's the next? So it's what's that thing, whether it's spending time with your family, spending time with children, if it's contributing, if it's marketing, if it's, um, you know, being, I'm involved in this project where we're talking about what does it mean to be an influencer, right? And an influencer is not about being famous, right? There's a responsibility when you're an influencer, right? To go to, because you're leading a group of people. Now there's influence in the world that are just famous. We all know who they are, right? But what are they really leading us to? which is lack and self-doubt, not good enough, not pretty enough, not sexy enough, not smart enough, not, I don't have the things. Well, that's not the purpose, right? They can add to, I'm not saying I don't enjoy those things, right? I do enjoy those things, but they don't make me whole. So I want you to make a list of the 10 things that light you up, like the 10 things that like, if I could do this every day, it could be cooking, right? It could, and then we look, once you have the 10 things that go, these are the, th- I'm getting chills just saying it. These are the things that fill my soul and fill my cup, right? So my daughter is in equity investing, right? But what fills her cup and fills her soul is she has a spiritual ministry. You know, she has been a, a Christian counselor for years, but her job is equity investor. Her soul work is being a Christian counselor, right? And she's married to a pastor. Like it, it all comes together to make sure that she's living inside of her work. I think the two will merge together, but she needed this experience called business to be able to now do this next piece in a world. She's young, right? She's got a whole world ahead of her. But I think sometimes people are so eager to jump the employment boat when you're going, but wait, I might be learning valuable skill sets there that allow me to be a better business owner, allow me to really see what it is I'm doing every project that I've done, every business that I started, even the ones that I, you know, I, I had the hardest, I made the, the hardest million dollars I ever made was in an online membership program in 1998. Think about 1998. The internet was just really coming around and I'm having an online membership program. <laughs> and it was in the salon and spa world. So we won top technology company of the year from Microsoft, right? We won big accolades for it. But it was the hardest million dollars I've ever made because I had to convince you why you need technology. And then I had to convince hairdressers why they need technology. Like, oh my gosh. But I knew there had to be a better way. Now, all that experience, as hard as it was, I was able to put in my tool chest to go now when I'm talking to clients, I have something to say about membership programs and how they work and how to monetize them. The average membership program is three months. We had 18 months back in the day, 18 months. When technology was not readily available. Ben, our first website, you're going to die because you're a young buck. It was a half a million dollars to build this website because there was no, there was no technology share. I know. And that was just what it cost. Like we got, that was the most cost effective one, right? So I I think we had a bid for 1.5 million. Like, oh my gosh. So I'm just saying. (laughs) But I followed my passion saying I, I needed to do this. It wasn't the most profitable business I did, but everything that I did inside of it gave me accolades, gave me experience, understood it, took me to the next level as a business person. I learned how to raise money in that business, right? Had to, had to learn all the SEC laws in that business. So when I went to and helped a client, we took her company public, I already had all this experience with the SEC, right? And it wasn't like, 
oh, scary SEC. It's like, oh, here's what we have to do. Here are the bylaws. Here's, here's the audits. Here's the people we need to bring in. Here's the, because I had this other experience. So I, I, want, I want you to look at wherever you are, be on the journey, celebrate the journey and, and put a badass list together. Every year, I write down what's my badass list because I forget all the stuff that I've done. Like you said, give me your bio. Like if I sat here, I'm like, wow, here's everything that I've done, right? Here's all the things because we forget and we're humble. Most people are humble. Most of us are not narcissistic. Some people are, but the ones that are humble people who are trying to serve the world <laughs> is to go, oh, we're shy about it. But that it, you know, some people call it a resume. I call it a badass list, right? This is an entrepreneur. We don't need resumes, but you do need to know your accolades. You do need to know what you've done. You do need to know what you've accomplished. And then look at it every year and go, wow, look at all the, the gifts that I put into my toolkit, the gifts that I put into, you know, that's a different kind of wealth. And then let's monetize that wealth. Makes a lot of sense. So write down the things that get you fired up. And then from that list, that helps kind of focus your thinking to where you can start to build something from that. Like what, what are really the next action steps uh, after you put together that list? That was a good wraparound, Ben. I just want to acknowledge you for that. Bring it back. <laughs> so after you you know write your list of the 10 juicy things that light you up, let's look at what business is there. Now, I think what happens as entrepreneurs, we want to be safe. I want to start a business, but I don't want to get a loan. I don't want to spend any money. I don't, I'm sorry. Business takes money. Whether using your money, credit cards money, equity in your home, finding investors, using your retirement, asking your parents for money, asking your friends for money, you got to have money to start a business, right? It, what irritates me today in the marketplace is, you know, set up a website and you can make a hundred grand a launch. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't you tell them how much money they have to spend to make a hundred grand in the launch? Because you can make a hundred grand in the launch, but how much money you have to spend to make a hundred grand in the launch? Let's be real, right? So it just frustrates me to go, ah, so these are the things. And no, like put a business plan together. Do you know how many businesses I coach? I coach, right now I have 35 businesses in an elite coaching program. And out of those 35 business, already existing business, not one of them had their business plan done. And they're in business. They range from startup to millions. And like business plan, I don't really need that. Oh no, you do need that. You need that. It's the plan. It's how you don't get distracted by the sparkle and the squirrel and the all the opportunity that comes available to you. If you don't have a plan that says, here's what I'm going to do, you get distracted. You know, some slick talking, somebody comes in, we could do this and we can do that. Okay. Oh, and then we can do this. Okay. That's why we're not making any money because we keep going, okay. <laughs> so we need to take that list. We need to look at the businesses that we can possibly create from that. We need to create our plan. And then it seems like, oh, and we need money to do that. So we yes. need to factor in money into our plan. And I love how you kind of listed like a lot of different ways to get money. And, you know, any one of those could work. Yes. I feel like it's a matter of just making the decision to go that route and then working at it harder than you've ever worked at anything before ever in your life, ever. Ever. And you know that because you're an entrepreneur. But when you're doing your passion, it doesn't feel like work. Like this is work mm -hmm. for me right now. Really? This is my job? Okay, my gosh, this is so much fun. 
right? Now we have to make money at this stuff. So then you have to leverage the stuff to go, wow, how do I leverage this to attract clients, right? How do I leverage this to meet the right partners, whatever that is, you know? So again, there's money all around you. You just have to see it. And and your mindset, your money mindset plays a huge part in that, right? We have, we have generational beliefs that are sabotaging you, right? Old money beliefs. You know, if you look at what were the conversations your parents were having about money? Mine was don't ask, don't tell, right? We're not talking about money. Don't ask me about money. There is no money. They don't come here for money. It was like, okay, there's no money. Now, luckily I flipped that and said, if there's no money, let me go get money. I didn't, where my sisters went, there's no money. So there's no money. So they stayed in this poverty mindset to go, oh, it's so interesting to see the dynamics of family and how everybody chose to hear the conversations, right? Then there's community conversations around money. Who, what are your friends saying? What kind of cars do they have? What's their value system around wealth and money? A lot of people have wealth is bad, which is interesting. You know, I've been teaching this for years and to hear the commentary, you know, that if you have money, you're evil, right? That comes from your spiritual community. Most of the time it comes from spiritual, but or, or people with any kind of wealth are greedy or mean or malicious. I'm like, what? I don't have that. I, I think as I had none, I just got to make them up. Like, like we didn't talk about money. So I just got to make up my own money beliefs. Right. So I'm like, interesting. Then you have your gender, right? Man, woman, like you have a belief because you're a man and what you're supposed to do. I have a belief I'm, I'm a woman and what I'm supposed to do. And then the era in which we grew up, like, I grew up in the 80s. So in the 80s, it was, I can do it all. I can be superwoman, right? I can cook, I can clean, I can do a job. I, I'll meet a man, I choose a man. That was like our logo. I'll meet a man, I'll choose him. <laughs> our parents' generation, my parents was they needed a man, right? Your generation, it's, it's a little more partnership, right? It's almost like in your generation, we're emasculating you. It's like, wait, I still, I'm still a man. Like uh, I can, uh, you know, I want to be a protector provider. <laughs> so I think- each generation has a different kind of conversation around money, right? And then you have, you know, culture. So in different communities, like I'm, I have a very large African-American tribe and community. And in that conversation, right, it's like no one's managing their, their debt. No one's looking at credit cards. It's like whatever. They don't take it. It's not as seriously. In my Hispanic community, they don't use credit cards. They're like, mm, if I can't pay cash, I'm not doing it, right? So it's understanding those those communities and understanding what are those underlying conversations, right? Inside of your communities and inside your culture. So there's many different, to start understanding what's my relationship with money and where did it come from? It it probably didn't come from you. It probably came from these other sources. And then let's make up a new one. Let's make up a new money conversation. Let's make up that it is easy. Let's make up that money's everywhere. Let's make up wealth is your birthright. Let's make up math is money and money is fun. Nobody likes math, but everybody likes money. Well, they go hand in hand. You got to do both, right? To go, oh, the minute, Ben, the minute I realized, <laughs> it's so funny. I used to hate this whole conversation. A P&L, like a P&L is profit and loss. So a P&L, there was two. There's an accrual and there's cash. And so my account would give me both. One said I had money, one said I didn't. I understand that. Why? Why does this one say I don't have any? And why does this one say I have any? And why does my bank say this? Nothing matches. This makes no sense to me. <laughs> So I just became this student of, I need to understand this. And once I realized that my service is a commodity, that's money, 
right? So how many commodities do I need to sell to get the, have the lifestyle that I want to have, right? It was just a shift in my own mindset to go, well, let me quit looking at math because Mr. Cyberson said you suck at math and don't do any job that has math. He was my 10th grade teacher. Like you are horrible at math. So we, I walked around with Mr. Cyberson's conversation in my head, avoiding any money conversation because obviously that's math, right? To go that that really imprinted me for many years. I was really good at making it, but horrible at keeping it because I just wanted to get, I'm not good at it, right? And there's so many clients, especially my women clients, I'm not good at it. I'm not good at it. I'm not, well, of course you're not good at it. You keep telling yourself you're not good at it. Let's tell you you are good at it. Let's create a new conversation around it because we live in a world of conversations and conversations dictate our future and conversations dictate what is and what isn't, right? So have you ever written, like when you're with a group of friends and, you know, they're talking about, you know, in your case, their girlfriends or wives, and some of them are negative. And then when you meet that person, what you're left with is negativity, like, I don't like her. Well, because the only conversation you've heard was him complaining about his wife or girlfriend, right? And so you realize, oh, I'm creating this reality. So we do the same thing with money, do the same thing in relationships. So what am I creating? Am I attracting or detracting? So it's, a, it's just a juicy conversation to be inside of. Absolutely. And I think it is so critical to our financial future to really, really understand this stuff. Yes. So, so I'm curious, and you talked about it a little bit, but I, I want to really like dive into it. How do you really truly identify what that current conversation is? Like, what am I actually saying to myself? What's going on in my head? And how do you shift that permanently to something more productive and better? Want to play a game? Yes. I love games. So tell me when you were growing up, not now, because clearly your mental shit seems like, I don't know. I don't know you yet. Seems like your mental shift has changed. What were your conversations about money growing up? Money doesn't grow in trees. (laughs) Really nothing else has come into mind. Right. So then it was nothing. We didn't talk about money. Not that much. Right. So we didn't talk about money. So when, when you think about money now, like back then there was just a void. And then all of a sudden, what, how old were you when you moved out? I was 19, 18 or 19. Perfect. So 18 or 19. Okay. And so now you're moving out. Now all of a sudden you have these different responsibilities, right? To go, I got to pay for things. And you pay for things when you were home, but it's different. Like I remember the first time I went to the store and back in the day, a can of tuna was a dollar. And I'm like, I am not paying a dollar for a can of tuna. This is ridiculous. <laughs> but that was my first reality of like, oh, I'm an adult. I got to pay for these things that my parents never paid for, right? <laughs> so think about like what your community conversation, like, so your group of friends, tell me what their conversation about money was. Like, was money free, freely to them, given to them? Like, could they just, you know, if there was a concert, if there was some activity, it's like, okay, we're all going. Where does the money come from? What were those conversations? Some of them were, are, 
our parents are giving us the money. Mm-hmm. Others had to work for it, and others usually couldn't go to the concert because they didn't have access to it or they chose. And I want to be careful about the words that I'm using, but yeah. um, they, they couldn't go to the concert. Yeah. So that's just real, right? Now you're enlightened, so you're trying to process it a little more, but I'm looking at the little kid conversation because that's where all this comes. 80% of our emotional programming is developed by the time we're five years old. So basically, Ben, right now, you're a little five-year-old making your money decisions. From the time you're five to 18, we have another 10%. So now we're at 90%. So 90% by the time we're 18, our emotional conversation around money, relationships, sex, health, well-being is done. It's in our DNA. Now, if you're not on a growth path from the time you're 18 till you're dead, it's over. And we have all seen people like that, that they just quit after high school. Like, my ship has sailed. There's nothing for me. Now, they might not be in your circle now, but we know who those people are. Would you agree? Oh, yes. So if you look at your little five-year-old, so your little Benny walking around, trying to decide how am I spending my money, saving my money, leveraging my money. And if we haven't had a healthy conversation around money, it's detract or I'm just not talking about it. Most marriages fail because they don't talk about money. Money is the biggest cause of divorce. So you go, this is a really simple solution, but we don't want to talk about it. It's a taboo, right? We'd rather talk about sex before we talk about money. Like at a party, this is so great. At a party, people are way more comfortable talking about their sexual relationships than when I start talking about money. (laughs) It's rude. Like I asked somebody who was bragging at dinner about how much money he made on this deal and how much wealth he accumulated. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so exciting. How much was it? He looked at me and I'm like, is that rude? He's like, very. I'm like, how is it rude? You were just boasting about how much money you made. Why is my asking how much rude now? Is it not really like I was so confused and so perplexed to go, oh, interesting, right? That you can boast about it, but you're not going to talk about it and bring the details about it to go, oh, so we're so uncomfortable. I had a lady come in who wanted to sell us, like she's this money strategist. And I'm like, that is her program sound amazing, right? And I'm running this multi-million dollar company. And I'm like, let me ask you a few clarifying questions. She's like, sure. How much money do you make? And how much money, what's your return on investment? And how much have you made other people? And she looked at me like, how dare I ask her that? I'm like, I'm just doing my due diligence. I'm not gonna have my partner invest $100,000 if I don't know what your own personal finances are. Oh, she was so upset with me. She, she got up and left. I'm like, how can you talk about money and not talk about money? Like you gotta talk about money. Let's just tell the truth. It doesn't mean anything, right? Like, I'll tell you, I have, I have filed bankruptcy because I went through a divorce in, the, in 1997. I lost 10 million, 10 million million in assets in the market crash. It was the most horrific, humbling three years of my life. It took me 20 years to build my assets. I, you know, I was set. I was retired. I didn't have to work anymore. I was choosing to work. You know, it's a different, there's a different mentality when you choose to work versus I have to work, right? So I remember being on the floor crying then, like, why? I have been a good steward. It wasn't like I was shopping. It wasn't like I was being frivolous. It wasn't like I was not responsible with my money, right? It was like that perfect, horrific storm that 90% of Americans got caught up in. 
The 10% leveraged that stuff, right? When we lost their money, they made money, which, okay, good for you. But what I do when I, you know, having to start over. So the humbling moment of just being on the floor crying, like, why? And not like, why me, poor me? I just want to understand I've been a good steward. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't being slimy or cheesy or manipulating people. Like, where's the karma in this? I just need to know that because I'll understand the karma. Like, what did I do? I'm trying to make amends. <laughs> just let me get clear. And I heard this voice. I'll call it God. You guys can call it whatever else you want to call it. But I heard this voice that said, this will be your biggest lesson and your biggest victory. Get up. Get up. What you do know is you know money. Get up. So I'm like, okay. I didn't, I just didn't pop up. I just want to say that for the record. <laughs> I just struggle. Like, okay, I'll get up. And then I really start thinking, I do. I understand this asset. How to, how to leverage your talent, how to leverage your finances, right? How to rebuild my wealth. It took me 20 years before because I came from a background like you. Money doesn't grow on trees. There is none. Don't ask. You want money? Go make money. You got to work hard for money. That was my belief system about money. There's not enough to go around, right? We can't afford it. You can't have that. That was, that took years to reprogram. And that was all, you know, unconscious programming that we all grew up with. Like you, you're like, I can't even think about what we talked about with money. We just didn't talk about it which is just as bad as saying the negative connotations, right? Because it's neutral, negative, like, well, I don't have any belief around it. So I knew how to rebuild. I knew business. I understood business. So, you know, I just got back on the horse and it didn't take me 20 years, right, to, to get back on the horse. It took me about seven years to rebuild those assets, right? And I just went, I got focused, you know, and some people may think that's long. I was proud of myself. Well, okay. Okay, I'm back. I can breathe. I can breathe, you know. <laughs> so when you have that, the talent, whatever your talent is, right? How do we leverage that talent? And, but it starts with, what's my money mindset? Where is it holding me back? What, what age am I stuck inside of? Right, if I look from five to 18 and you can, the, the good news is 18, we're at 90%. So from 18 to death, we have another 10%. And that 10%, like when you look at, um, you know, net ratio, that 10% can be profound. Now, I'm not getting that ratio. I'm not that good with math. But I know that if we move it a little bit, <laughs> if I move that 80% a little bit, we can have exponential results, right? But it's being aware of it and shifting it. And, you know, I think finances is this whole conversation. It's not just, let me get a great business idea. Because you can have a great business idea, but if you don't have your mindset right, you won't have any money, right? You'll keep doing things that will sabotage it. You'll keep creating relationships that sabotage it. Like I have to be responsible for who's in my space, who's in my tribe, who am I around? Like we have a policy when we go out with our girlfriends, you can't bag on your man. Because I don't, I can't bag, it's too hard to be in a, a healthy relationship. You start bagging on your man, then I want to bag on my man. Like, no. Like you need to be around healthy money conversations. Don't hang out with people that are always saying, I'm broke, I'm broke, I'm broke. Well, of course you're broke. You just keep saying you're broke. Like, let's have this conversation as a community to say, I want to live in abundance. Wealth is my birthright. I deserve this, right? It's nothing's owed to us, but we all deserve to have a life that is amazing. We all deserve to have the opportunity that's around us. We're in America. Like I choose every day how much money I make or don't make. You choose every day how much money you make or don't make. 
even if you're inside of a job, you're choosing how much money you make or don't make because you're valuing yourself at a certain pay level. And they go, that's awesome. Like be responsible. Look at what you're committed to. If you want to know what you're committed to, Ben, look at your life. If there's drama, chaos, suffering, that's what you're committed to. You have amazing relationships. If you have wealth around you, if you have prosperity around you, beauty around you, however beauty looks like, you have amazing friends, that's what you're committed to. And I say hold that line high so that you can have, you get to choose the amazing life that you want. Now, circumstances will come in. I don't have some, you know, Pollyanna life. You know, I've got stuff that happens. The, the difference is I don't sit in my stuff, right? You know, there's going to be peaks and valleys in your business. Don't stay and buy real estate in the valley. Get up and get to the peak, right? Don't buy, when you're in that space, don't stay there and don't drag people with you. That's the most frustrating part is you, you start dragging people, you know, with us. There's something called agreement reality. If you tell three people that know or to believe it's true, right, the fourth thing you say will be accepted without question. So we're looking for people to agree so that we can validate the value that we're in, right? So that's why we talk shit about our men or our women is we want people to agree or go, no, she's amazing. Or no, he's amazing. You're like, you're right. He's amazing. <laughs> why don't you start with he's amazing? <laughs> and that takes, you know, a higher vibration and a higher level of consciousness. <laughs> so there's a lot of things that we've been talking about, right? <laughs> And I feel like there's a ton of really, really impactful information and knowledge and, and conversation. If we could, if we could boil it down mm. to probably, because it's, it would be hard to say for sure, but, but if we could give it the absolute best uh, attempt at boiling it down to that one biggest change that we can make today, what would that be? Hmm. Well, here's the thing, Ben. Really depends on where you're at, right? Because we're each in a different uh, journey and a diff different level of discovery. So if you're just starting this journey called conscious living and conscious living financially, right? Then you want to start with your mindset, right? Because you can't, I, my discernment naturally is I discern negative. So I go to the negative first. I know what I don't want. So you could say, what do you want to go for dinner? I'm like, mm, I don't want Italian. I don't want Mediterranean. I don't, and you're looking at me like cuckoo pants. I didn't, I asked, what do you want? I don't know until I go through, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. Oh, that must mean I want this, right? So there's nothing wrong with that. So people discern either positive or negative. So you want to work inside your mindset to go, what do I need to work on? What do I need to, what, where's my current mindset around money, relationships, family, so that you can really recreate that or redefine that. If you have that down, because many people will have that down. I have it down. I'm really clear. I can tell you what works about me and I can tell you what doesn't work about me. And then I can tell you the process that I'm in to work on what doesn't work about me. And I'm a work in progress, so there'll always be something that doesn't work about me. And I don't mean like a pity party what doesn't work about me, but what's the next level I need to get to? Um, so if you have the mindset done, then it's what's the business I wanna be in? What's that thing that is uniquely, that only I can do? What's that my contribution to the world? 
What's that thing that lights me up? And if you don't know, ask your friends, what am I good at? Right. I have a girlfriend that's amazing at relationships. Like she can talk to a stranger anywhere. Now, monetizing that might be different, right? But monetizing it, we talked about it before we even started. You're great at building relationships. So you bring relationships together and then you learn to monetize those relationships, right? So that's the same thing with her is, but she was just thinking, I'm, I'm a party girl. No, like, let's look at it from a business standpoint. You know, I love having her as my role dog because she can, we can go into any room and she's not scared to talk to anyone. And I'm like, go talk to that person. Like you be my wingman. And then she'll be the wingman and go, oh my God, come meet my girl, Susie. <laughs> you got to have those people. So then if you have that in place, right? You know, okay, I'm, I want that. I'm good at that, whatever that is. Like I knew I was great at making money as a hairdresser. I'll start back there, right? It took me years to figure that out. But once I figured it out, I was like, oh, I have to share this with people. They don't know. They're not teaching. This is like, oh, there's a system to all of this, right? And so then I started monetizing that. And so then that became a business. And then from that business, then I created, you know, another consulting business, right? And then from that business, I changed thousands of people's businesses all over the world because I was brave enough to go, I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to do it. See, most of us let our fear our fear leads us to believe that where you are right now is the safe place and going forward is the risk. But the truth is, we're always at risk when we're standing still, risk of stagnating, but more importantly, risk of missing out on your dreams. So if I hadn't risked and decided I want to do this thing that I didn't know how to do, and for years I didn't get paid, I just knew I had to do it. It was my calling. It was that knock, like, you know, like, what is that noise? Well, that's your calling. Answer it. <laughs> do something about it. Make a wrong decision, but just do it, right? Because in the wrong decision, you learn what not to do so you can learn what to do, right? And now, oh my gosh, there's so much education at your fingertips. If you want to be a life coach, if you want to be, you know, a business consultant, if you want to be a shopper person, if I don't know, right? Like, if you want to be a mechanic, like, there's so much education at our fingertips. There's so much juicy stuff like, you know, this podcast and how, like, that's just free juicy information that y'all, we used to have to go to the bookstore <laughs> and scour books and magazines. It wasn't readily available. We're at such a blessed time right now that everything is at our fingertips. Now, once you figure that out and I go, okay, now I know what I want to do. Like I have an inkling, put a plan together because the plan before you do the it, will show you if you're going to make money or not. And I would much rather you put the plan together and go, that was not a good plan. <laughs> or put the plan together to go, oh, I see how this works now. The plan, you know, will allow you to play out the full business and then you just work the plan. It takes all the scary out. It takes the unknown out because you have to think about it. Well, how would I do this? And where would I find clients? And where would I find my idol client? Where would I find clients who could pay me? Because we can all find clients, but they all can't pay you. <laughs> Those aren't the clients we want. The clients that can't pay you, they listen to our podcast. They watch our videos on YouTube. So we're still serving the market. We're still serving those people. Because I have a lot of clients that go, I just want to serve. I understand. But if you don't make money, you can't serve because you can't eat. If you don't eat, you die. So it's really simple. <laughs> so I think those are the three steps, really, to go, where's your mindset? You have that checked. If you don't have that checked, scour the internet, get on YouTube. There's so much juicy stuff. 
around setting that right, around money, just around possibility. You know, there, and each of us have had different traumas in our life. You got to complete that stuff. I'm not saying negate that stuff. That stuff gave me, I say, my, my badges, right? Like I have my stripes from all the drama that has happened in my life, from a child, from, you know, a divorce, from bankruptcy to, you know, have, have being a single mom with two young kids and all that stuff built my character, right? So, it, but I've worked through all that stuff, right? And I've hired coaches, you know, in many different areas of my life. I've got, you know, a personal development coach, AKA therapist. <laughs> I've got two money coaches, right? Because I'm playing a big game and I had to reaccumulate my wealth. I couldn't do what I did before. I had to do things differently and I had to risk differently. Most of my assets were in real estate. And so when the real estate market crashed, I crashed. Well, the first thing I did once I recovered was invest in real estate because I made a ton of money in real estate, lost a ton of money in real estate, and I'm making a ton of money in real estate. So I know the system. And I was just over leveraged. So that's my bad, my responsibility. My, what did I do wrong? You over leveraged, right? I, I, I fell into the hype as well. And you go, oh, that's my responsibility. That's where I dropped the ball. They go, okay, well, I won't do that one again. I'll still risk, but I'm not going to do that one again. So, you know, scour what you need to work on. And there's amazing software to help you with business plans. You don't have to just, people are trying to do it on their own in their head. No, there's phenomenal software out there that walks you through the process, like allow it to serve you, right? And it's, it's, it's automating and increasing and there's great stuff every day. So really look at what's that thing I need to work on me? Because it all starts with you. It starts with your mindset. It starts with your belief in you. It starts with you know, the belief in what you can or cannot do. And if that's not right, you'll be chasing this invisible thing called approval. I wanna be liked, I wanna be good enough. I want to prove myself. I want to do it right. And you got to get that handled because that will sabotage you. So I have a question for you. Big surprise there. Um, what do you think are those limiting beliefs that are holding you back? I mean, because it seems like that, you know, the mindset business plan it seems like that's that's kind of cyclical because you you get in the right mindset to be able to build that business and then you make a plan and then let's say you accomplish that hopefully you do well then it seems like you you kind of need to go through that again to create the next plan and then again and it's it seems like it's very cyclical so what do you think are the things that are holding you back right now awesome thank that good question so one um, I want to say that the bigger you play, the bigger the breakdown. So I think we look for ease in business. We look for, I want to get steady in business. But if you go to a hospital and your EKG is this, what are you? Not alive. Yeah, we're dead, right? So business, when it's working, is this. And so first I have to share that when I, I'm in this, I'm like, I'm in business, right? This is business. I'm alive. It's working. It sucks right now. Okay, it's working. It sucks right now. It's working. Now your your dips might be, you know, spread out a bit. You know, hopefully they're not, you know, really close. <laughs> so one, just know that 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 if I'm not having breakdown, Ben, I'm not playing big enough. So when I'm in breakdown, I have to like it, but I'm like, ah, oh, 
I'm in the unknown because I'm in the unknown. I don't know how to be here. So I would say first is fear, right? I have to identify that fear because I get scared. I'm alone. I'm, I'm a solopreneur or lonelypreneur, however you want to call it, right? It gets lonely. Like, where am I getting my juice? Where am I getting my, my nourishment, if you will, right? Who are my mentors? Who are my, um, the people that I go to get fed, right? You've got to have that tribe, that community. So the lonelypreneur is real. And then you can't let it become real. You know what I mean? You can't let it consume you. So my limiting belief is one, asking for help. I don't like to ask for help. I'm very independent <laughs> to a detriment and I've been burned. So I don't want to ask for help because I don't want to be burned. I can rely on me. I know I'm not going to burn me. And if I do fail, then it's on me. But if I, let's say I put my expectation in you and you promise me something, it doesn't occur, then I'm disappointed or I'm hurt or I'm, you know, or the, I lose money. The, the biggest deal is you lose money, which nobody wants to do right? When you get in those relationships that you're like, oh, I wish I would have known. So I would, my biggest limiting is asking for help. And when you're in business, you have to ask for help. You've got to hire help, which is asking for help, right? And then it's asking for relationships to go, like you said in the beginning of this call, you said, what's, you like to find people, like, how can you be their hero? I don't know if you use that word, but that's what I heard. How can you be their hero? What, what can you do to help them win? You know, that, that's huge. Most people, I would say, probably have a hard time answering that question because we're programmed to take care of ourselves, And they go, oh, but that is to my detriment. The minute I ask for help, the minute I, I surrender and go, Ben, I need help. <laughs> I don't know how to do this. People run to help me, right? Because I'm not being a victim. I'm not being on the struggle bus. I'm just like coming to the place of, pick me, I need help. But it's so hard to ask for help, right? So I think as, as, I think it's a pattern as human beings. It's not easy for us. Is it easy for you to ask for help? In so, well, that's an interesting question because I literally don't ever want to like spend my time doing anything that's out of my like area of genius. Mm -hmm. So I love asking people to take all of those other things off of my plate. But when it comes to things that I probably am not thinking about, like for example, running a podcast, I can tell you from start to finish every single thing that you need to do to get your podcast up and running, make it happen. Right. And I can tell you where the points of automation need to happen for where with technology or with people, but then it's like, okay, that's clear. I can ask for help there. But in the, in the bigger things, the more ethereal things, I probably have trouble asking for help and I'm right. just not aware of it. Right. Yeah. Juicy. Yeah. So my limiting belief is that, right. And I have this love conversation. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be vulnerable and transparent. So I've been divorced twice. So the first time I was married, I was young and dumb. I was 17. When I, when my dad said, when you're 18, you move out or you get married and you get a job, choose get married, get a job. I don't care. You're moving out. So my little ass said, I'm 17. I'm going to move out. <laughs> so I moved out, had a job and I met this man who was like, Oh, it was the party of the Red Seas. <laughs> he was beautiful. Then he had muscles, a checkbook, a car and a really good job. That should be a really good husband. <laughs> and he was beautiful. <laughs> it's 
So I married him because I'm a good student. <laughs> Tell me what I need to do. I'm going to go do it. Well, it was not a good marriage, right? He was not a good husband. Like he could not, he was, he was a strayer, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and so I was young and, you know, I, I believed you got married and got married forever. Right. And so it was, it was really hard because it, it wasn't a good marriage. And so left that marriage, was single for years and then got married again and was married for 20 years. And so when the market crashed, when our business failed, because we're in business together as well, uh, when we had two businesses, one we sold for millions, the other one wasn't in the deal, but the other one was attached to that business. So we started putting money in cash infusion in that business for thirty, $40,000 a month to keep that business alive because the business that we sold was the marketing arm. And so they weren't being the marketing arm anymore. So we weren't prepared for that because it was in the contract. And so we just had financial turmoil everywhere. So inside the financial turmoil, he felt like a failure. And now we weren't working together. So we just had all this conflict. So after 17 years, I lost my business. I lost my identity. I lost my marriage of 20 years. My kids moved out. And so I was left alone and left from a place of, when you get married, you get married forever. Like you, you said you would never leave me, right? And it gets hard, hard and you leave. So I have a hard time trusting in relationship. Like I'm, I'm very romantic. I, I'm so romantic. Like I believe in love and I believe in it, but you just stay over there. <laughs> Come on, stay over there. I just don't trust it. So that's my limiting belief. And I know it's a limiting belief, you know, and been working on it for years, but I just, I don't want to be hurt that way again. I don't want to go through that again. And anyone who's been divorced knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's not funny. It's not fun at all. It's not, you know, and that's a hard thing to be with, especially I grew up in a, in a place of you just don't get divorced. And then I got two, right? Like, hi. <laughs> so <laughs> I go, oh, Okay. I was crying when I got, was getting divorced from my second marriage and my daughter, who I call Mother Teresa, she was the one I was talking about earlier. Like I was on the floor crying, like who's gonna wanna marry me or be with me, I'm divorced twice. She's like, oh, mommy, daddy doesn't count. That wasn't a real marriage. You guys were so young and dumb. And I'm like, really, it doesn't count? <laughs> if Mother Teresa says it doesn't count, it doesn't count. So I'm really only married once. <laughs> So, first of all, I want to um, acknowledge and uh, acknowledge you and, and share my appreciation for being willing to talk about those things um, because yeah. you know, I recognize a lot of people aren't willing to do that. So, thank you. Um, and it's also, making me sweat over here. <laughs> jacket off. I'm like sweating, and I have the air conditioning on. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the next thing I wanted to to ask you about is um setting those goals because we can write a plan if we want to but if we don't actually have a goal to write a plan about or write a plan to accomplish that doesn't really help us very much um and uh and and by the way i i want to be very respectful of your time so um you know i we we can absolutely wrap it up in the and uh, in, in no, I was minutes. looking for, uh, when you said that, I have um, something called a life book. I don't mm -hmm. know if you've um, heard of it, mm -hmm. uh, but it's a course that, um, that's out there in the world and it's a life book. And so in every area of my life, I have a plan. And so for my faith, for my family, for my relationships, for my integrity, 
for my character, for my physical, for my environment, for my education, right? I have a full plan. I have a vision. Um, I have a mission. I have a plan of actions, right? And what do I need to do to have come to fruition? And then I have pictures, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a kind of a vision board inside of a book that is my life. And then I update that every year. And I've been using this for 10 years. Like I've been, always been a goal setter and vision boards and, but th never this detail, right? Where everything is visualized and planned out and written out. So when I get, when I get in the valley, right? When I'm there, I just go, what did I say I wanted my life to be? And my life then has been, I feel blessed. Everything that I've said has come to fruition, right? And people go, what's your next goal? I'm here to contribute to the world. I, I, don't, I don't have like things. I don't need things. I've accomplished things. I've traveled all over the world. I have money in the bank. And it's just about how do I contribute and help people go to the next level? But I don't have things, right? I want to go on vacation with my family and spend as much time as I can with them and my friends who are like my family. Like when I'm off, I'm, I'm with them right? Either my children or their children or my friends that are like my family. So I don't have things that I need to accomplish. My accomplishments are inside of my business because my business makes a profound difference, you know, inside of my clients' lives. And that's rewarding. Like I'm changing their life and their children's life and their children's children's life. And because of what we, we change generational dysfunction. So every area of my life is mapped out and not in a, in a way that's fun, right? In a way that's creative, in a way that, that speaks to my possibility, in a way that has me look at, am I leading my life in integrity? Am I, am I being the kind of woman that my children will be proud of, right? I, I wanna be that woman that they aspire to be, right? I wanna be that model, you know, that you can go, ah, because when I, I grew up, there wasn't like relationships that I saw that, oh, I like that relationship. Like, who's a healthy relationship, right? So even inside of my dysfunction and I've had divorce, I taught my children how to be divorced with an integrity. I taught my children how, like my children's dad and I, although our relationship was tumultuous, we have an amazing relationship. He was here this weekend, Labor Day, having tacos, you know, but I enjoy him. Like I, I love him, obviously. I have these two beautiful children. They go, how do you, how do you have that kind of relationship? It takes work, right? It takes putting your ego aside. It takes um, being committed to my children. That's why I decided to forgive them. That's why I decided to be the bigger person and go for my children's sake. Cause we've all heard those nightmare stories about, oh, my parents don't get along and they fight and they put us in the middle. I want to be in the middle. Take me out of the middle. Do what you need to do for you. You're grown women. Do what you need to do for you. Just know that I'm here for you. Right? That to me is me managing my character, not my ego. So I know I jumped the gun, but when I was looking, I wasn't looking at the time. I was looking around. I have the book to show you because I'm such a visual. Like, let me show you. You know, it's about that thick to go, could I grab it easily without, you know, digging? So it's, it's in my closet over there. So I definitely appreciate that uh, that that explanation because I think it's really helpful for people to understand like how you actually like almost organize your goals. Mm -hmm. um, and where I am really still curious is regarding that is 
what's the limit to the size of the goal? Like I think about this all the time, right? And I try to study really successful people, one of whom is Augustus Caesar, right? The very first emperor of Rome. When he died, he literally acquired in personal wealth $2.6 trillion with a T. That's, that's awesome. Money back then. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it adjusted for adjusted for today's uh, oh, inflation. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that makes him one of the wealthiest human beings in the history of the world. Right. Which is just nuts. It's right. crazy awesome, right? So clearly his ambition had that level, and that is where he was capped. Yes. But what – what are the the limitations for the goals that we set? I mean, is it really just as as simple as if we say we're going to make a billion, we're capped at a billion? Or if we say we make a hundred thousand, we're capped at a hundred thousand? Like, how big can we really take it? Uh, yes, yes, and yes. So the reality is, is you know what you think about, you bring about, right? So you want to think about what am I thinking about? And your mind can't accept the negative and the positive simultaneously. That's why the mindset is so important. That's why so many people do so much work around mindset. So I don't have, I I want people to turn their wanters back on. I think we've been burned so much that we turn our wanters off, right? Like you look at my love relationship. I'm, I'm, I'm in a relationship. I'm in love, but you know, I have to manage that conversation, (laughs) We always tease then, like when I travel or go away, I'm like, whatever, it's just not working because I don't want to miss him. So I usually try to quit him before I leave. He's like, you've got to stop quitting me when you leave. This is ridiculous. I'm like, do I, do I quit you when you leave? He's like, yes, you don't want to miss me. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so dysfunctional. That's so great. <laughs> but I, wanted, I want people to turn their wanters back on and there is no limit, right? You just... I meditate and pray and I'm a good listener. And so I have to listen, like you said it, you're here to change the world, like what's the assignment? It's crazy stuff that comes to me, right? I'm like, no, that can't possibly be, no, I'm not doing that, (laughs) no, I don't. And I know too much about business now. Like I'm not young and dumb. I, I have a lot of experience in business. I've got 20 some years in business, like I've, I've been on the roller coaster of business. So like every idea to me is like, we're going to make millions. It's like, no, that's no, that's way too hard. That's, that's a hard one. (laughs) Just knowing just, which is, you know, to my detriment. So it's about being radical in what you want. I believe that it's placed inside of you. If you want to do a trillion, do a trillion. You want to do a billion, do a billion. The thing is, you can't just think about it. You can't just meditate on it. You have to be in radical action. You know, so I ran Lisa Nichols' company for 10 years, and she was part of the secret. And so she's, you know, we took her business from 800000 to $10 million, and I've been with her for 18 years, supporting her, whether I'm a coach or ran her business. And she was one of the most sought-after speakers in the secret. And people would call her office then and go... Lisa said, I needed to get clear about what I want. And then checks would come into the mailbox. So I'm like, no, that's not what she said. That's what you heard. 
there has to be the action. You can't just put it on a vision board. You can't, there's gotta be some action towards it, right? If I wanna go to Greece, one, I've gotta create the finances to go to Greece. Then I have to plan the trip to Greece, right? I might create relationships where someone can go to Greece with me. Somebody might sponsor a plane ticket for me, like whatever that is for you, right? But there's action that has to occur to get to Greece. It's just not gonna magically happen. A million dollars is just not gonna magically happen inside of your you know, checking account. So I had a goal. I took this money class with one of my clients and it was all about managing your money beliefs. And I'm like, I wanna create $100,000 inside of additional revenue inside of this course. And the course was 12 weeks, right? Outside of my plan that I already had, I wanted an unexpected another $100,000 to come. So I had my plan and my plan was in place and then not, not uh, 12 weeks, but it was about 25 weeks. You know, I got a book deal for six figures and it was 125 grand for this book deal with Simon and Schuster that I, I knew I was working towards, but I hadn't got it. Like I was, I was holding the intention that I'm going to get this, but all the work was done and prepared for it. My proposal was done. The book was done. The relationships were right. Now I was just, where is it going to come from? Right. We were pitching different publishers and publishers aren't giving book deals anymore. You've got to have a huge following to get a book deal now. Right. And so all the work was done and then the opportunity came. So opportunities when opportunities there and preparation and then you'll get the result. So I don't want people to, because people get so like woo-woo. I just need to put a picture up and my man will come. Your man is not going to come if your stuff is not right, right? Your man, <laughs> your money is not going to come if your stuff's not right. right? So it's putting all that action and that work together. Well, Susie, I just want to say thank you very, very much um, for, uh, for coming on the show today and sharing this time with me. It's been very, very special. Um, I have one more question for you and then, uh, then, then we'll wrap it on up. And I mentioned before that I'm 24 and, uh, I only bring that up again because I want to ask specifically from my perspective, Yes. but what question should I be asking you that I just wouldn't think to ask? Mm, that's a I'm quiet because I'm thinking, right? I don't want to give just a, I'm going back to when I was 24 and what did I want to, what did I need to know, right? What was that thing that I needed to hear that I needed to know? Um, so I don't know if it's necessarily a question. I think it's more of a get quiet and listen. Like get quiet in your mind whether that's going to the beach or the lake or the mountains and listen, listen to what's being said, listen to the commentary in your mind. And then once the commentary stops, listen for the unknown. Because in the unknown is where possibility is created. And it's gonna be crazy, right? All the stuff that came in the unknown for me was crazy. Like I just, like the things that I've done in my life from you know, opening and selling six businesses to raising millions of dollars for myself and for my clients. I didn't know how to do any of that. If I would have, if I would have done what I knew, I would have just stayed a hairdresser. And not that that being just 
just a hairdresser's back, but there was a bigger plan in my life. And that was just a stepping stone. You know, I wouldn't have been able to make the global impact that I make every single day if I didn't listen from the unknown. So my coaching to you is get quiet and listen to your source. Mine's God, yours is whatever you want, whatever it is. Listen to the source because the source knows. They're all around us. And they go, what? Ask the unanswerable question of what's next. What's next? Because your life is lining up for the, what's next for you. It's already played out. We just have to be the receiver of it. And then we have to be the risk taker of it. To go, I'm willing to trust myself, to trust the universe. And it's not gonna be perfect. My life has not been perfect. My life, you know, we have more time. There's been drama for drama. I can match anybody's story. So when people come to me with their drama, I'm like, oh, you wanna talk about drama? Let's talk about drama. And it didn't stop me. My drama propelled me, right? My my breakdowns, my divorce, my the ugly, right? The mess that nobody wants to talk about. I'm just committed to not being perfect because that's a that's a really hard place to stand. I'd rather tell you all my imperfections, right? So that you can see I'm a human being. And my heart and my commitment is to help and serve. My heart and my commitment is to how do I have them win? My heart and my commitment is what's the difference I'm making on the planet. My heart and my commitment is to my children and their, their children. And who will they be in the world? Like when you're a conscious parent, when you're a conscious person in a conscious relationship, who could we be for others? Just by being us, right? People are watching you all the time and deciding whether they want to do business with you or not, whether they appreciate what you're up to or not. They're judging us moment by moment by moment. So I want to manage who I am in the world so that I can be a representation that somebody needed to hear this today. Somebody needed to hear, you know, that this is business and that you can recover. Look, if I can lose $10 million and be here and laugh about it, because I'm laughing now, I'm not crying. I cried for many years to go, oh, it's just money, right? And money is energy. And we can create all that energy all around us. So I know I didn't give you a question to ask. I gave more of a charge. And that's my charge for you is to listen to the whispers, listen to the unknown, listen for what God is telling you, because that's truly your calling. Now, you might be afraid to do it, or hold fear in one hand, courage in the other, and jump, because it's worth the ride. Sitting on this side of the fence, you know, of my age versus your age. Well, again, Susie, I want to say thank you so, so much for uh, coming on the show today, and just being awesome. So thank you. You're welcome. And I want to say thank you. Thank you for living inside of your purpose. Thank you for living inside of your calling, right? And your assignment. And thank you for being brave. You're 24. You're a little badass, right? And I don't mean little by little, but you know, just going, I'm going to play big in the world and using a platform for good. There's a lot of people that don't use a platform for good. So thank you for allowing me to contribute. Thank you for sharing me with your tribe. You know, I appreciate that. I appreciate you know, being able to spread my message, you know, which is if I could do it, you can do it. Thank you again. And to everybody who's watching and listening, I want to thank you all very, very much. Um, you are all very special and uh, uh, I'm very deeply grateful that y'all choose to share some of your time with us today uh, because it is very valuable too. So um, thank y'all. Thank you, Susie. And I will see 
everybody on the next episode. Take care now.